today's podcast is brought to you by Audible.com. Get a free audiobook download at audibletrial.com slash talkingdead. Over 100,000 titles to choose from for your iPhone, Android, Kindle, computer, or MP3 player. Hello, my name is Chris. And my name is Jason. And this is The Talking Dead, a podcast dedicated to the AMC TV series, The Walking Dead. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to The Talking Dead for this week. This is episode number 53 for the 26th of September 2011. Thanks once again for joining us. As I said last week, we are a month away from the premiere. Now we're only like three weeks or said, two weeks. You said 53. This is 54. Yes, no? Is this 54? I think it's you titled oh. the uh, the email 54. This is episode 54, my You're friend. right. It's 54. Last week was 53. That's why I had that look on my face and you were wondering what the hell. <laughs> the very confused look yeah. like I was doing something completely erroneous here. You were. It was I, erroneous. It I was guess, an erroneous number. I guess I was. Okay, this is Talking Dead episode number 54 for the 26th of September 2011. That part's correct. Did I get that right? As far as I know. Very good. As I was saying, thanks for joining us. We're now, what, two and a half or three weeks away from the season two premiere. It's very exciting. Very, very, very exciting. There's lots of news to cover this week. Um, There's something that's probably on every listener's mind, at least to those who are following the news, and we'll get to that, of course. We also have our brief um, actor spotlight on Noah Emmerich Mm -hmm. coming up, and... uh, and we're going to announce a contest later in the uh, in the episode too. I, I like contests. <clears throat> contests are fun. I like uh, announcing them. I like uh, having them. I like hosting them. I like uh, uh, winning them. Yeah, I winning very, them. Very rarely win them, but uh, I have entered. Apparently, a few. there are people out there that are just generally lucky and tend to win more contests than others. I think you have to enter in order to win, and I don't do that often enough. Well, that's the thing. They're not lucky. They just enter a lot. They're professional contest players. However, I have an aunt who has won more than one trip uh, south to, you know, parts of the Caribbean and stuff like that. Wow. And I don't know that she enters many, any more contests more than anybody else, but maybe she does. I don't know. She's a bit wacky. My grandma won a truck once. A truck? Yeah, one of those... Uh, like a big cube van? No, like a, an actual a truck and a boat with a trailer. She won it in the mall in the Sioux, and uh, she entered a ballot, put in, you know, money. They were raising money for charity. She put in her 100 bucks, and they gave her a truck and a boat. Just just for being there. Just for being there and giving them a hundred bucks. What did she do with the prizes? Oh, she took the cash payout instead of the actual truck. She did what she need with a truck and a boat. Well, yeah, I don't know. She's not gonna drive to the water and go boating for a while, then drive the truck home. That'd be pretty sweet. Yeah, it would it was, be. It was like eighty or ninety grand or something like that. But that's not bad. Yeah. It's not bad. Boats are expensive though, <clears throat> I hear. They're certainly out of my price range. Anyways, let's start the episode this week. Uh, We're going to start off a little bit different and play a listener call. So everybody, why don't you please listen to this? Hey, Jason. Hey, Chris. This is Jason from Brooklyn, uh, the creator of the uh, Walking Dead Google Maps. Just listened to your last show. I think it's uh, episode 52. I'm still puking blood from the uh, fact that Frank Darabont was fired. I think it's probably the biggest mistake, and um, I just feel really, really uncomfortable that they're that they went along and did this right after uh, promoting him at Conica, uh, Comic-Con. Um, it's, it's terrible. Anyway, uh, to answer your question, I think it's Wilshire Estate is where uh, I think they're probably going to be filming the the, uh, <clears throat> the, the show next. Uh, you talked about that enclosed community. Anyway, um, uh, it's a great show. Uh, you guys have been fantastic. And uh, looking really forward to uh, hearing, you know, what you guys are going to have to say about the, the second season and whatnot. And uh, I hate to say it, but I think I'm probably going to buy the uh, the Blu-ray uh, pack that's probably going to be coming out. Damn you, AMC. Uh, but I just I have to have my walking dead. That's it. Anyway, take care, guys. Peace. Thank you very much, Jason. We had him on the show probably a, a year ago. It was by a year now, ago, yeah. Because he, as he said, is the creator of the Walking Dead Google annotated map. <laughs> Excellent. Put all those words in a different order, and I think you get the right thing. No, that was right. Walking Dead annotated Google map. Um, I, I would have accepted it in the order that you said it the all first right, time. Which is pretty cool, and uh, I haven't looked at it in a while, so I don't know if he's updated it at all, but... Maybe he's following along. The, the comic doesn't move that quickly, right, to right. location to location. So 
Um, yeah, I just wanted to play that off the top there because I've had it for a little while now and unfortunately forgot to play it last week and I didn't want it to, you know, go unheard. So a few of the things he mentioned in there, we couldn't remember the name of the housing complex a couple of weeks ago. Right. Wilshire Estates is what it is. Thank you. I did go back and look it up, but he, of course, confirms that. Um, we'll get in, in the news section. We'll get into a little bit more information there, as well as some more information about, of course, the firing of, of Frank Darabont, which we have covered ad nauseum so far. It also leads me to my next item here, and it's a big reminder to everyone that I am coming down to New York City for New York Comic Con in a couple of weeks. Look out, New York. I here am, he comes. I'm super excited. And uh, Jason, if you're going to be there, we should we should you know get together. I'll buy you a beer or something like that. That'd be That'd great. Be good. Not you, Jason. Jason. Oh, no, I understand. Because <laughs> you're not going to be there, sadly. Where's my beer? I'll still buy you one. <laughs> Fair you enough. Know, whatever. Um, Only if I go to New York with you, though. That's right. All right. Then I'll buy you too. Sweet. Um, so, so yeah. If uh, if you or if Jason, you or anybody else is going to be down there, and you're going to be going to the con or just hanging out, and you want to get together, that's going to be great. I would love to. Um, I've been to New York before, but I don't can't say I really know the town that well. Doesn't mean I'm not going to explore a little bit because uh, I will have the time. However, it'd be great to get together with some people. Also, I'm going to have some stuff with me, I think. Stuff? In the form of free stuff. Does that mean that they have to search you when you go across the border? Uh, no. I not, sure not, hope not. Not that kind of stuff? <laughs> what kind of stuff are we talking here? No. Well, I don't want to tell exactly give it away, but it's nothing illicit. Come on. What, what, are you, what well, are you, I'm just checking. What do you take me for? Well, I'm going to have some stuff with me. I'm going to everybody have... everybody wants to meet up... <laughs> Boy, it does sort of sound uh, nefarious. <laughs> I just a wanted bit to there. clear the air, make sure everybody understands that none of this stuff is uh, illegal. No, in no, any no. Way. We're, it's going to be good stuff. I, I'm bringing it down with me. I want to give it away to people. Just promotional items. Could that we sort use of the word swag? Sure. Okay. I'm going to have some swag with me. Okay, that's good. Um, a- absolutely. So, you know, I'm not going to have a lot of swag, but enough that I can, well, whatever I can fit in the suitcase, bring along. We're getting some special stuff created. And uh, I'm going to want to be handing that out a little bit. So if you see me walking around, I don't know how you're going to know it's me. Well, I do. But just we'll get talk, into that just later. Just talk a lot. Just as you're walking, you know, talk to yourself. Talk, Say the, the words, the walking dead or the talking dead or what have you. Maybe people <laughs> will recognize your voice. Maybe. You never know. If you do, if you recognize my voice, come up and say hi. I might have something for you. That'd be sweet. Uh, so that's exciting. I'm arriving on Thursday, the 13th. Going to get to my my hotel and then get right over there try to pick up my badge because unfortunately new york comic-con won't mail out passes if you're not uh in the united states which means i gotta go and brave the crowd and hopefully not have to line up for eight hours just to get my pass to get in it could be uh i don't know what it's like but on their website they did have a picture of a really large crowd and that's got me a little bit well they're they're advertising how popular their con is right of course you're going to show the large crowd you're going to get there and it's going to be the all these stanchions where you have to wind your way through like they do at the airport and there's nobody going to be there and you're still going to have to wind your way through and walk it's true and and i'm sure that picture is a crowd from you know saturday that's probably their big day right right people don't have to work they're all out at the convention i'm getting there thursday night going to go immediately to the place and hope I don't have to line up for eight hours. Well, bring bring some headphones. I will. I plan to. So it's going to be really great. I look, I'm look. i super looking forward to it. I'm going to be in New York for five days, wow. almost five whole days. It's going to be awesome. Probably going to go broke buying stuff yep. and eating and just having a great time. That sounds like fun. It sure does, doesn't it? Yeah. All right. Let's get right into the news this week, shall we? Jump right in. In the news. So, here we go. The big the big news item this week is something we talked about last week. Sigh. But at that time, it was uh, barely more than a rumor. And that is, of course, that AMC has now announced a Walking Ted, Walking Ted, Walking Dead talk show. And, of course, they've called it Talking Dead. Yes, they have. It's a great name, don't you think? I really like the name. It's a really... I would have put a the in front of it, the Talking Dead, myself. Yeah. It's a little bit unclear as to whether it actually is what the, the official title is, the name of it, because some sites just record uh, report Talking Dead and some report The Talking Dead. So I don't know 100%. Right. We are The Talking Dead. I know that. Yep. We have been using that name for two years yep. now, and we don't intend on changing. No, we're not going to change anything. I, I would just like to say that. So... 
Uh, I think Deadline first reported it, and from the from the article, they said the half hour program produced by Michael Davies Embassy Row and hosted by Chris Hardwick will premiere oh. October sixteen. Immediately following the encore presentation of The Walking Dead, then beginning on Friday, November 4, the series premiere after The Walking Dead's encore presentation at 11 p.m. It's a bit of a confusing sentence there. Yeah, I'm not, I think I parsed it. I'm not sure exactly what it is. There's going to be an episode on October 16th after the season two premiere, and then maybe the talk show goes into full swing regularly on after the November 4th episode, which right. wouldn't be episode two, it would be the third one no i think it, it's at an encore uh presentation of the premiere so i think the uh the talking dead i gotta get my mouth around just oh. the fact that it's the talking dead is going to be a week behind because that way they can uh, the show airs on television and then they have a week to produce the talk show and then air that with the encore presentation no but it's a live talk show oh that's crazy i i believe they're they're airing it right after the broadcast of that episode so people call in oh right and it's more sense it's live because i mean you can still have actors on because <laughs> the show's not live so you have a show called talking dead it's hosted by a guy named chris yep and uh where, where am i in all this <laughs> you know is there a jason on there we'll have to find out i don't know feeling left out here yep I, it, Deadline also said, as previously rumored, Chris Hardwick is hosting the show, providing recaps and interviews with cast and crew, as well as fans and television enthusiasts. Oh, good. Television enthusiasts. I love television. We should call in. We should we, call in every week. We we ca- we fall into two of those categories, fans and television enthusiasts. I am enthusiasm. No, enthusiast? Enthusiastic about television. Ah, that's the noun. Thank you. So, or is it, maybe that's a verb. I don't know. To well, go I on. know from words. Yeah, I don't know. You, <laughs> you speak for a living, but who knows? No, do not. To go on, Chris Hardwick said, As an enormous fan of both the Walking Dead comic and te- television show, I pretty much begged for this job. Dissecting the moves of Rick Grimes and the remaining survivors after every episode is something I would be doing with my friends anyway, so the fact that AMC is actually paying me to do so is a bonus. Wow. That is a bonus, isn't it? He must be very, very happy. I'd and, be very uh, happy in that position. <laughs> um, so if he would do it with his friends anyway, why would AMC want to pay him? You don't have to pay him. <laughs> sounds like they don't have to pay him, yeah. Just yeah. just put a mic in his living room and see what happens. That's right. Won't be quite as engaging. He should start a podcast is what he should do. He has a podcast. It's unrelated to The Walking Dead, however. And uh, I've always meant to listen to it, but I must admit I've never gotten around to it. Oh, there you go. So we will see. Finally, uh, Joel Stillerman, AMC's Senior Vice President of Original Programming, Production, and Digital Content, said, Fans of The Walking Dead are incredibly engaged with every aspect of the show. They tweet, blog, and post comments in very large numbers, and we wanted to give them an opportunity to interact with the show in a way that they don't currently have. A kind of live water cooler. Well, he obviously doesn't actually pay attention to the internet because there's a whole host of podcasts about this show, and they do talk about it. They call in, they tweet, they do all this stuff. But uh, in my humble opinion, they have this outlet currently. <laughs> Absolutely. They just don't have as direct a a line to it as they, they would like. Right. Right. They There's us. There's at least three or four other Walking Dead-related podcasts on the internet. Yep. Um, they're all great. But AMC doesn't have a hand in any of those. No, they need their thumb in the pie there. Hand, hand in the cookie jar? What's, so, the, uh, what's the term here? Well, either works, I think. They want their hand in the cookie jar. So, Piece of the pie. Yeah, you know, and not that this is a very lucrative cookie jar for us or anyone else doing it that, that I know of. <laughs> right. <laughs> but That would be cool, though. You know, I mean, we'll, we'll see how this show goes. It, 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 it could be good. I'm not going to certainly say it won't be you know, great, because it might be, but it also might be just pandering and an easy sort of cash grab, you know right. what I mean? Yep. Or or just a way to, to promote what they're already doing and, and, and not really make it about actual discussion and analysis. Right. Which is what we try to do here. I would think so. I don't always succeed. Not but always. But it's what we try to do. Sometimes we talk about badminton for an awful long time. <laughs> yeah. To all the people who listened to our 10 minutes of badminton talk last week, I apologize. <laughs> 10 minutes. That but, seemed like a long time when you think about it. But when we're talking about it, and here we are talking about it again. Actually, we're talking about talking about it, so it's okay. Stop it. Um, <laughs> so here's my, my bottom line question here. The fact that uh, AMC is doing this, 
I don't have a problem with. They called it Talking Dead, which I don't have a problem with because, hey, it's a great name. And it's, you know, if, if, if I'd thought about it, I would have probably guessed that they'd go with that name. Um, does this affect us at all and in what we do right here every week? Um, that's a good question. I don't really know off the top of my head whether I can't predict whether it will affect us. It, uh, it could have a positive effect mm-hmm. because somebody could call in and say, hey, there's a podcast by this name already. What are you doing? And I suggest that maybe one of you or I do that. <laughs> but, uh, you know, it, it could have a positive effect on, on us. Mm-hmm. You know, more people talking about the show is, is good. Building hype, always good. Mm-hmm. Um, negative effect, they could send us a de- uh, cease and desist letter. <laughs> they could. I, I, I'm not sure that there is anything to, to base that on, though. Uh, well, if they've, you know... Uh, we, we've been using the name perfectly validly for two years now. Yeah. And uh, they don't, you know, they certainly don't own that, as far as I know. They may have trademarked it, but I don't really know. Um, you know, so... It could, you're right, it could go either way. It could have a positive effect on us. It could have a kind of negative effect. It almost comes down to um, how AMC decides to govern themselves. Right. If they want to come out and try to bully us into changing, that's not going to, I mean, it might happen, but it's not going to look good for them. No, it will not. I'd just like to say that right now. Beating up on the little guy. Yeah, exactly. Um, and you know, if they do that, then we'll, we'll see what we have to do. Um, but, you know, anyways, after the news was announced, at least a couple of people, I think, already um, mistook our Twitter account for an official Talking Dead Twitter account. Right. Which, you know, so be it. I, I sent out a tweet almost right away saying, everyone, look, we are the Talking Dead, but we are not AMC's Talking Dead. So, you know, if you're following thinking of that, then sorry, but please keep <laughs> following. <Yeah. laughs> so uh, we'll see. We'll, well see. I think for bottom line for me is... More discussion can't hurt. True. So true. More discussion can't hurt. That's that's a good attitude. We will we'll leave it at that. I think and yeah. see how it goes. We'll certainly be watching, and who knows? Maybe we'll uh, try to interact with the with the AMC Talking Dead. We're gonna have to we're gonna have to come up with a way of referring to us versus them. The Talking Dead. <laughs> well, I know there's the, but it's, it's hard. Talking it's Dead hard podcast. to leave that out of there. So AMC's Talking Dead. Maybe that's what we'll go. There we go. All righty. So the next item in the news this week, Entertainment Weekly has a season two preview in their September 30th issue. So the biggest, um, you know, so the, in, in this article, there was some a lot of information about season two, the premiere, what's going to be happening. Um, but there's also a lot of information about what happened with Frank. We get some reaction from cast and crew um, and also most notably uh, uh, Mazera, the new showrunner. Right. And uh, here's apparently how it went down when Mazzara had to come in and tell everyone. He said, As if taking over the reins from the man who brought him in wasn't difficult enough, then Mazzara had to meet with a cast fiercely loyal to their former boss. Mazzara said, I met with the cast a day after everything went down, and I met with them privately. It was a scary meeting, and I came in and was honest about my mixed emotions. So at first, it was a lot of confusion, and people thought, well, maybe Glenn's responsible. Then I wanted to take over that I wanted to take over the show. Once I told them that uh, was not true and explained to them how I was working with Frank and we were executing his vision of the the show, I think they felt comfortable and they saw I was able to, um, I was in new territory as much as they were. So, you know, he, I guess he said he met with everyone sort of privately and made it clear that he wasn't taking the show over. He was simply stepping into a new position because it became available. Right. Right? Well, that's a smart thing to do. <laughs> well, yeah. True or not, it's a smart thing to do. Absolutely. The article goes on to say, The key moment for Mazera was what happened next when the new showrunner then had to speak to the entire crew for the first time. I had to go out and address the crew and cast, and the cast said to me, Don't go until we can be there with you. We want to stand behind you. And that was really a beautiful moment because they didn't have to do that, and I had only met them face-to-face a few times. Some of them I had never met. So here I was, standing before a crew, trying to say that we'll get through this crisis, and the cast rallied around me, and that really meant a lot to me. So That's nice. That, that is nice. I mean, again, who really knows how it went down? But that's what 
that's that's what his story is, and it probably was something similar to that, right? I think it's a very pretty story. He's coming into a pretty difficult situation, yeah. and you know that's probably the best way to handle it. Tell people one at a time, explain what's going on, you know, don't uh, don't try to make anything up. Just be frank with everyone, and sort of realize the fact that people are going to be concerned and a little bit worried about what the hell's going on. Absolutely. So probably couldn't have handled it any better. John Bernthal was probably the most candid about his feelings when he said, this will always be Frank's show, says Bernthal, who plays Shane. This is Frank's creation. Frank is the heart and soul. And as far as I'm concerned, he always will be. That might piss some people off to hear that, but Frank is all over the second season. Wow. That's that's true. Yeah. I mean, he was part of the writing of the entire second season. His, uh, His influence is still there. Absolutely. Yeah, for sure. His influence is all over it, probably even more, uh, you know, more than we think it's going to be. Yep. Uh, it's definitely going to be in the first half, and I would gar- I would say probably well into the second half of the season, maybe all the way through. Well, right, because the entire, you know, the story arc for the entire <laughs> season was set before each of the individual uh, episodes were written, right? Mm-hmm. So he had his, his hand in h- how the whole season is going to be structured. For sure. Regardless of whether he was actually, uh, you know, responsible for the day-to-day writing of the actual scripts. Yeah, I don't think they'd, I think they'd written, I read somewhere up to episode seven, maybe, when, when all this went down. So right. that's two-thirds of it right there. Yeah. Or or so. And uh, and the rest, as you say, was probably already mapped out. They just hadn't sort of put it all together yet. Yeah. So. Finally, Robert Kirkman said in the article, look, it's definitely not easy. Um Frank was a very big part of the, this show from the get-go, and it's definitely not an overstatement for me to say that he changed my life. I was a comic book writer before this existed. <laughs> and now he's a comic book writer yeah. and a comic book publisher and a TV producer and writer and, uh, you know, everything else that he's doing. Video game guy. So he's, Board games, card games. Yeah, he's got a lot going on. So Novels. Certainly nobody is... Talking down Frank Darabont, you know, as if they would anyways, but uh, I think we're starting to get a little bit more, a bigger picture on kind of what actually happened, and, yeah. or at least the way everyone reacted to it, and it sounds like they all came together and reacted as well as they possibly could. Yeah. And, you know, hopefully it's not going to uh, affect the show too much. I hope not. Not in a, in a negative way. Anyways, you know what? Maybe the show will get really way better now. Who knows? Maybe Frank was holding them back. Somehow. <laughs> <laughs> Somehow. All right. So the rest of the... That's enough on the Frank Darabont stuff. But there's more in this uh, Entertainment Weekly article that we need to get to. Some of it's kind of spoilery. So um, not that we ever shy away from spoilers. But there's some stuff in here. Certain, at least one point that... Um, kind of reveals something we've been speculating on for some Ooh, time. I'm excited. Yeah, so <clears throat> um, here's, here's what I've got from the article. It's a sweltering June day in Atlanta as the heroes of The Walking Dead speed away from the just-exploded Center for Disease Control. As the caravan peels off Cobb Galleria Parkway, that's the real name of the highway, I guess, um, the Jeep belonging to Shane Walsh, John Bernthal, which was bringing up the rear stalls and dies. Oh, no. Not good. Zombies, who have been lured to the area by the sound of the detonation, converge on the lone living human as he honks and waves frantically to the rest of the uh, now disappearing caravan. They should pay attention. Yeah, they should. <laughs> St- turn off the turn the stereo down a little so they can hear him honking. Yeah. Shane grabs his shotgun and exits the vehicle. The zombies, more than 30 of them, are practically on top of him now. The end looks near. Uh-oh. So what I'm thinking is that... Description there is uh, is what the reporter for Entertainment Weekly saw when he was on on the set that day. Right. Um, what I think they're describing is what we saw in the San Diego Comic Con trailer right at yep. the beginning, when was... Shane is backing away from the zombies with a shotgun and looks rather panicked. And we have the sound of breathing and mm-hmm. him running, mm-hmm. that kind of thing. Yeah, that's uh, that went through my head as well. I think that that uh, that will match up with that scene rather well. Uh, for sure. So it sounds like Shane gets separated from the group. That's not a good thing to right do. away. Yeah, right away when they we we open this episode, they're driving along. This is probably the first thing that happens. Okay, so uh, if uh, you're ever in a zombie apocalypse and you're with the caravan and the caravan is moderately well armed, like this one is, if you're bringing up the rear, don't get separated. <laughs> yeah, stay with the group. This, this, this is you should put this at a rule. This should be rule number seven: do not get separated from the group. Later on in the article, after having read all that, later on in the article, they seem to indicate that this scene may actually have been cut 
from the episode, however. Okay. So the reason I read it is because I wanted to talk about the fact that it was in the trailer. Yeah. Um, but it says here in the article, uh, Steely Sheriff's Deputy Rick Grimes, Andrew Lincoln, and company do make it out of Atlanta, even though Shane's dramatic escape which resulted in Bernthal puncturing his cornea in three places, ended up on the cutting room floor. Um, so there's more trouble lurking out in the countryside, however, beginning with what just might be the series' most gruesome scene yet. Hint, ever seen what the inside of a zombie looks like? Yes, I have. Yeah, so have I. So They've, they've shown that many times. I'm sure it'll be gory, but probably nothing too bad. This This super gore inside of a zombie thing will probably be the season two equivalent of bicycle girl from season one right the, the worst thing you can imagine well this kind of thing it sounds like if it was exceedingly gruesome that the reason it and it ended up on the cutting room floor is uh, amc uh pulling back and going whoa 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 there uh i don't think we want to show that and therefore we have to cut this whole scene but it's not the it's not the gruesomeness that was cut as far as i can tell from here it's it's bernthal um escaping it seems to be what it's saying here, but maybe we've got part of the scene and, and not another part of it. Right. Remember last time, too, everyone who, it's, who saw the, uh, the pilot already did seem to report that this is just ultra gruesome. Right. Now, things can change, right? That was an early edit. Maybe they weren't done yet. So right. uh, who really knows? So, but we'll, we'll find out. Um, okay. Now, here, everyone, is, the, is what I think probably one of the bigger spoilers from this article. So if you're totally not into it then uh, skip ahead a little bit but we've talked a fair bit about how the season is going to play out where our characters are going to get to the timeline it's going to take when they get there how long they're going to stay in places and so on mostly revolving around Herschel's farm right the article here says a shocking development at the end of the premiere will lead the group to the farm of Herschel Green played by Scott Wilson oh wow that we know what that is exactly Carl According to you know everything here is going to get shot at the end of the premiere, yep. And they're gonna they're gonna basically get to the farm by the end of the first episode, maybe you know the beginning of the second one. That makes sense. Does it? That seems awfully quick. I mean, think about it. We've got to get out of get away from the CDC, which granted won't take long, but maybe take a little bit longer if this chain scene is actually there. We've got ninety minutes to play with. It's true. We've got to get through the whole like highway zombie attack scene, which. I imagine is going to play out, you know, for a little while in that episode. Right. Um, if indeed they end up going to Wilshire Estates, if they if they keep sort of in that order of things, we are going to have to get through that part and then get into the forest and have Carl get shot by, uh, by uh, what's his name, and then end up going to the farm. They may have switched things up, though, right? There's no... It's true. You don't have to have Wilshire Estates before Hershey's <clears throat> farm. It's true. Wilshire Estates could play a different role if, if it's there at all, ultimately. Right. You know, they could be at the farm, go out looking for supplies and come across housing development full of supplies. Who knows? I hope they don't. Because uh, Wilshire Estates, the uh, the casting, not the casting, but the location uh, didn't come up until after the filming. Like, I know they don't necessarily film in order, mm-hmm. but the, the information about that uh, location didn't come up until after we already knew who was cast for uh, the Herschel's farm. Uh, we knew what was uh, what was being shot in the first episode about the escape from the CDC, about mm-hmm. the life on the road, you know, hanging out under cars, eating sandwiches, that kind of thing. <laughs> right, sandwiches in cars, so under cars. This, I mean, it does seem a little quick uh, as far as, you know, how the comic book progressed, mm-hmm. but I, uh, from everything we've talked about and even about the, uh, the budgeting uh, discussions about, you know, outside versus inside, you know, you've got this 90-minute episode, which is taking place primarily outside. If not all of it is outside, we got to get inside, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, Wilshire Estates is all outside as well. So they may be shaking things up, you know, outside, inside, outside, inside, outside, inside. So Herschel's Farm, that ep- beginning of that episode is primarily going to be inside. Yeah, you would think so. They'd get there and hide indoors for a little while. Well, yeah, they mean they got to take care of Shane. Or not Shane, they got to take care of... Uh, Carl. Carl, and uh, I think that that's prob- primarily going to be inside. So everything that we've talked about up to now, it kind of makes sense. And and I suppose the the biggest mistake you can make is trying to predict what's going to happen on the TV show by following the events of the comic book. Right. They're an inspiration. They're not a, uh, you know, a, a blueprint. Or they are a blueprint, but they're not, you know... 
exactly what's going to happen. You know, so. in, in the comic book, it took 16 years to get to the CDC. <laughs> 16 whole years. That's my prediction. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, it just feels to me, though, like it's still a little quick. I mean, it, it, when I when I, I think I originally predicted that we would end up at, uh, and this was only a last episode of the one before, that we'd have a couple of episodes of them kind of on the road, yeah. Then they then they'd get to the farm and uh, maybe we'd have one or two episodes at the farm before the Christmas break, and you know something would happen and that's you know there'd be a, some sort of cliffhanger before the break. And the reason I felt that way is that I thought, you know, the farm represents at least a small hope of of salvation, right? right. And if you get there too early, you haven't really built up the uh, the desperation yet. Like if they're on the road for three episodes which spans i don't know four weeks or something like that they've got no food they're they're you know starving they're being attacked by zombies they're running out of ammo they've got you know almost nothing left and you know then that's when you introduce this sort of turn to provide a little bit more hope but doing that all in one episode even though it's 90 minutes feels like it might be a little quick think so well to me it does but you know what they're they're better at writing TV than I am, so they'll probably come up with. Uh, really, you should write a script. Just you know, you never tried. Have you ever tried writing a script? No, I have not. Maybe you're great at it. I suppose that's possible. Give it a shot. It's probably unlikely. <laughs> um, so, anyways, we'll see. Uh, any it, in general, though, it, it casts doubt on whether or not they're going to Wilshire Estates, and if they do, what the role of that sort of community is. And uh, you know, it just goes to show that whatever we predict here means nothing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, absolutely. <laughs> totally means nothing. Finally, from this Entertainment Weekly article, a little bit more in the uh, in the spoiler department, although it's a little kind of more just information here. They say, in the secrets and spoilers department, later this season, we'll find out what was whispered into Rick's uh, ear right before the CDC blew up. So there, we're not going to find that out right away, but probably it sounds like we're going to get to the farm, everything's going to calm down. And then Laurie and Rick are going to have a little talk. Right. Um, we'll also see the one-handed and left-for-dead Merle Dixon, Michael Ooh. Rooker, at some point, but not Rick's walkie-talkie buddy Morgan, played by Lenny James. Oh. That kind of bums me out a little it does bit. A little I bit. really, really like Morgan. I really, really like Lenny well, James. he doesn't, you know... Uh, Morgan doesn't show up until later in the comic book as well, right? It's true. He comes back much, much later in the comic. So that's fine. It is fine, but personally, I would rather see Morgan sooner than uh, Merle Dixon again. Uh, yes I like no. I, I think that the, the, the length of time for, uh, for Morgan is important. Like we, there's a lot of stuff that happens in Morgan's life between when uh, when Rick first sees him and when he shows up again. So I, I think that that uh, that length of time is important. I yeah, well, you you make a good point. I absolutely agree with that. I just like the character better than I like Merle Dixon as a character. Well, yeah, I think Merle's going to show up. He's going, oh my god, I got no hand, and then he's going to die, and that'll be the end of that. Probably because and that'll piss Daryl off, and he'll throw squirrels at somebody, and then maybe use his crossbow to kill somebody. Uh, who knows. <laughs> You know, I've I've always felt that Michael Rooker, while fantastic, amazing, love the guy, was a little bit of stunt casting for The Walking Dead. They needed they they brought him in. Uh, you know, they'll say because he's a great actor, and fair enough, he he certainly is. But he's also Michael Rooker. They, yeah, they needed a name. It was like he was in town. Oh, we can't pass up this opportunity. Let's film a scene with him and work it in somehow. You know? Right. Yeah. So too bad we're not going to see Morgan this season, but hopefully someday. Finally, while readers of the comic book will be saddened to learn that vile villain the governor won't be making an appearance this go-round, this season, I guess, producers hint that we may meet up with Katana sword-wielding fan favorite Michonne. Oh, sweet. They've always said that she wouldn't be coming on board until season three. Yep. Maybe she's going to show up at the end of season two. Just kind of show up in the last episode? Well... This sort of indicates to me that there things are going to be changing up a great deal um, because, as we know, in the comics, she shows up at the prison long after our group has made it to the prison and have established themselves there. Yep. Maybe not long after, but they're there already. Um, I, I don't see that happening this season, so she's probably going to show up at the farm somehow. Well, I don't know about the farm. I mean, uh, they could get all the way to the prison. 
It's possible. Uh, I don't know. That... We, we'd have heard about the location filming, though, at this point. You would think so. And the prison is such a big deal. Once they get there, they are there. Yep. And again, we don't even know if the show's going to go that way, right? We have no idea. But if they do, they're going to take their time to get there, I, I feel. Because once they're there, it becomes a stay at the prison show. It does. You know, the zombies become even more of a background element yep. because they're safe for a while safe-ish for a while so we'll see it's exciting though that michonne might be in there everyone wants to see her well maybe she'll just show up for uh be like a little cameo thing she'll show up uh, with a couple of zombies on chains and then kind of go yeah you guys are lame and then leave oh can you imagine if they did that people and, would be pissed yeah and then you know that could be uh oh no she's gone and then uh have her show up again in season three Oh, it's true. They could do that. Bring her in for an episode, and then she leaves on her own. And then they meet up with her again later, who like seasons or months or years later. Or maybe she shows up. Uh, people maybe she would be shows pissed up off. With, a, with a group of people. Yeah, right. She's with another group that they meet and they talk with, and they go and they, they go their separate ways, sort of like the Vatos. And then uh, you know, in season three, she shows up all by herself. What happened? That gives her a more you know a deeper backstory. That's true. That's true. I don't know. Maybe they'll do something like that. I think if she if she comes and then leaves, people are going to be upset. Oh, can you imagine? You know, I'm just uh, we got uh, you know a couple of pictures here that uh, of Michonne showing up with her uh, couple of zombies in tow. I'm just thinking, you know, if they if in season two she shows up with a group of people, and then in season three she shows up with two zombies in chains, and we recognize the zombies. Well, that'd be cool of of some of the people that she was with. That would be very cool. Armless zombies that she's got walking around for protection. So not only did she, you know, find a couple of zombies just to, you know, mask her smell and sound and stuff like that. She did that to people she knew. Well, maybe they just got killed in an otherwise. Well, they would be zombies first. Right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So they, yeah. she wouldn't like hack them up and then go, okay, I'm going to wait for you to die and come back as a zombie, which is, sorry, another spoiler. <laughs> yeah. That's pretty crazy. It's a good idea, though. I like it. I like it, too. You should write a script. Oh, no, no, no. <laughs> no, 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 no. I can barely talk or spell at the best of times. <laughs> yeah, really. Okay. Next item in the news. We have a new actor joining the cast of The Walking Dead. A guy by the name of Michael Zegan, or Zegan. I'm not 100% sure how to pronounce it. Zegan's good. He will be playing a new character who's not from the comic named Randall. All right, Randall. According to the, uh, again, Entertainment Weekly report that I read, they said Randall is described as a skinny southern kid who finds himself in a rather unique set of post-apocalypse circumstances. Hmm. So who knows what that could mean? He's a a rapper. He's on stage and he's stuck because the uh, the sound of the speakers is so overpowering that the zombies can't actually get onto the stage. So he's got to keep rapping. Uh, in order to survive. You just come up with that now? <laughs> yeah. It's unique, isn't it? <laughs> Randall the Rapper. Rand- yeah, Randy Rapper. That's his name. <laughs> Whatever you say there, buddy. Um, you still think I should write TV? Nope, not anymore. <laughs> All done. <laughs> uh, so Michael Zegan's previous work includes Rescue Me. He had a big role on that show, which I've never oh, seen. Oh, that's why I recognize him. You seen the Rescue Me? Yeah, I've, uh, I've watched all of it. He plays a firefighter, apparently. Yeah, he plays... Uh, yeah. The son of a firefighter and a firefighter. Okay. He, he was really good in the role. Cool. So <clears throat> I, I've never seen... Well, I have seen him in Adventureland, uh, but I don't recall him from Adventureland. He was also in the Cameron Diaz movie The Box from a year or two ago. Mm, don't know if I saw that. No. I remember it, but... Yeah, I haven't I haven't seen that. Um, push a button and someone dies? That you don't know. Or, yeah, what is it? Yeah, you yeah. get a, you get this box. If you push the button, you get a million dollars, but someone you don't know dies. Right. I'd be, I'd be like... I pushed the button. Now what? Where's my money? Wow. No moral (laughs) dilemma for you. (laughs) I don't know if I'd do that, tell you the truth. All righty. Anyway. So we'll see who Randall is. Um, We'll find out about his unique situation. But if uh, anyone has any thoughts on him as an actor or some of the past stuff he's done or any speculation about who Randall might be or what his unique post-apocalypse circumstances are, give us a call or send us an email. We would love to hear from you. So, we all know that The Walking Dead Rise of the Governor is coming out soon in uh, paperback, or probably hardcover. Probably hardcover. And uh, audiobook format. But a new press release was um, delivered, and there's some more information about the book from the press release. 
This is the story of Philip Blake, his daughter Penny, and his brother Brian, along with two of Philip's friends. The ragtag group of survivors attempt to make it to Atlanta as the zombie apocalypse rages around them, but as their journey becomes more and more dangerous, Philip will realize that he must do whatever it takes to save his friends and family and his own soul in the process. Huh. So there you go, Walking Dead Rise of the Governor. We got we we're going to find out the backstory of Philip Blake, the governor. It's very exciting, and his daughter of course, who we sort of know what happens to her yep. in the comic. Um, we, we talked about last week or the week before that it's going to be released on October 11th and there will be an audiobook version. And apparently the audiobook is narrated by four time winner of the audiophile earphone award, Fred Berman. Hmm. Do you know F- Ber- Mr. Berman at all? I do not know Mr. Fred Berman. All right. We should look up, we should find him on Audible, find a couple samples of his work and see what he sounds like. But if he's won the audiophile earphone award four times, he's obviously knows what he's doing. Well, I would hope so. <laughs> I would hope so, too. Okay, some more exciting news here about Greg Nicotero's web series. It will be starting on October 3rd on amctv.com, but the most exciting thing here is what the subject matter will be. Oh, yeah? We didn't know anything before this. Apparently, it will be the backstory of everyone's favorite first season zombie, Bicycle Girl. Oh, oh. <laughs> That's, that'd be awesome. I think so, too. We're going to find out what happens, how she ends up in her state when Rick finds her and ultimately shoots her in the eye. That's great. Uh, I think it's going to be really good. There's no official word on whether Melissa Cowan, the actress who played Bicycle Girl, will reprise her role. Well, that'd be good, though. But I certainly hope she does. I'm, you know, I would love to see her in a an expanded role, even though it's, you know, for online only. Who cares? It's, it's, yeah, no it's, kidding. Uh, it's, you know, she, she was so good as that zombie, and all she had to do was crawl along and just look horrific. Zombie-ish. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So I'm really excited about this. I uh, I think it's going to turn out really well, and I think it'll be the kind of thing that's just totally fun to watch, you know? I think that would be fun. And just see sort of the evolution of this um, this character. Announced on the same day as uh, as that information is that Greg Nicotero and his team at KNBFX won an Emmy for their work on The Walking Dead for Best Prosthetic Makeup. Awesome. So that's really that's the first like big time award win for for the show. Yep, uh, they've won other stuff, lots of other stuff. They're up for lots of other awards, but this is an Emmy. Like this is a big deal. Yeah, no kidding. They didn't get, as we all know, any you know like writing, directing, or or acting uh, nominations for Emmys. But really, if you're going to give an award for best prosthetic makeup, I'm not going to say that there was no competition, but no one else is in this league. In yeah, my I'm, opinion. I'm trying to think of other shows that had prosthetic makeup <laughs> that I could think of. And I don't mean that there are no other shows that have this kind of makeup. However, The Walking Dead and Nick Taro is obviously a, you know, a master at this. No so. kidding, yeah. So congratulations to him. But as for the web series that's coming on October 3rd, it's going to be the backstory of Bicycle Girl, and I'm very excited about that. Yeah, me too. Very cool. We'll definitely report on that. We had Melissa on again over a year ago before the first season uh, aired, and she was very pleasant and and great person to have on. So we'll see if she can come on again and That'd talk about great. the web series. That'd that was be a lot good. of fun. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, only a couple more items in the news this week. Voting is now open for the Reaper Awards. Reaper Yeah, the Reaper Awards honor the best horror and thriller titles on DVD and Blu-ray for the past year, and they will be announced on October 24th. Voting is underway and runs through October 16th. Mm -hmm. The Walking Dead is up for two categories, Best Collection and Best Extras. Well, that'd be awesome. It, uh, well, they do have the best extras. I hope they they do have the best extras. I think they what mean other... DVD extras, though. Oh, <laughs> I was like, you know, what uh, what other show makes your extras go to school before they can be extras in your show? <laughs> yeah, uh, that's that's true. Very very true. But I think since this is for the DVD and Blu-ray release, right, it's well, about then, the content on the DVD. In in that case, you know, what <laughs> other show has uh, the creator of uh, you know the original creator of the series in a dump truck full of bodies? That is true. Yeah. That is very true. No other true. show is going to do that for you. Dump trucks full of bodies. Yeah. So there you go. Uh, you can go to reaperawards.com to submit your vote. I uh, highly recommend that you do. Finally, the last item in the news this week, and it's just a quick one. The Walking Dead Season 2 will premiere in the UK on October 21st at 10 p.m. on FX. Just thought I'd like to throw that out there for anyone who's in the UK 
listening and hadn't heard the news yet. Yeah. That is a, uh, you know, a week later than here in the States, uh, here in North America, I should say. And I think that was about the same as season one, too. They were only about a week behind. They were close. Yeah. Technically, they advertised that it premiered simultaneously around the world in all these different markets, but the dates were staggered a little bit. Well, yeah, and there's time zones to take into consideration. And, sure. You know, different planets have different dates and stuff. You know, if you're going to stagger it by a week, it's because the UK is on a completely different planet than uh, than than North America. Some people would argue that, yes. Well, it's the only <laughs> not, explanation not, I can think of. Not, like, not me. If um, they were on the same planet, they would just air it the same day, wouldn't they? They obviously are on one of those planets where their month is... Shorter than their day or something crazy like that. Yeah, that'd be kooky. That would be weird. Okay, everyone, we're, we are going to take a short break right now. When we come back, the first thing we're going to do is announce our contest running for the next few weeks, so you aren't going to want to miss that. We've got some really good prizes. And, of course, we've got our Walking Dead actor spotlight on Noah Emmerich. So thanks for listening. Don't go anywhere. We will be right back. Don't be afraid. That big, and I left a steel umbrella inside by the dog's light. That dog could eat any time day. That dog could eat any time For you, the listeners of the Talking Dead podcast, Audible is offering a free audiobook download with a free 14-day trial to give you the opportunity to check out their service. Jason, do you have a recommendation this week for us? I do. This is a book I read, actual read an actual novel that uh, I plan on picking up and listening to for a second uh, run-through. It's uh, called World War in the Balance by Harry Turtledove. And this is uh, an alternate history type thing. In the middle of World War II, aliens invade, and they show up, and uh, you know the world has to band together to fight off this alien alien invasion. It's an interesting idea. What's what's dividing us one minute is kind of bringing us together the next. Right. And so this alien race shows up a couple of hundred years ago to assess whether or not this planet is good for invasion. They see people riding around on horses in armor, fighting with swords. They're like, yeah, this is going to be a cakewalk. They go, they get ready, they come back with their invasion fleet, and all of a sudden humans have uh, missiles and planes and tanks and machine guns, and they're like, holy crap. These people progressed way faster than we could even possibly imagine. Well, a lot can change in in all those years. I mean, not to this race. This race, it takes thousands and thousands of years just oh. to change the design of a tank, kind of thing. <laughs> so they're completely overwhelmed by our, you know, capabilities of progress. Well, that sounds uh, that sounds really cool. I haven't heard of that book, but you know, maybe I'll have to check that it's one out the, too. The uh, first book in a series. It's uh, a very good series. Uh, <laughs> the World War series. This one's called In the Balance. So this was, uh, I plan on picking this one up, actually. It's on my wish list, and it has a running time of uh, 29 hours and 33 minutes. Very cool. To download your free audiobook today, go to audibletrial.com slash talkingdead. Once again, that's audibletrial.com slash talkingdead for your free audiobook. Right. Hey, everybody. Welcome back. So as I promised, we are going to announce our contest. We've got some stuff to give away. And after that, we're going to get into our actor spotlight on Noah Emmerich. So the details of the contest, Jason, are such. We are asking our listeners to visit iTunes. Yes. And submit an iTunes review of the show. What we hope to do is get a few more in there. Um, I must admit, I haven't looked in a little while, but we want to get as many as we can in there, just generate some reviews and hopefully have someone over there take notice. That'd be nice. 
it would be really great. So as you can see, this contest is entirely self-serving. Of course. Well, that's all contests are, really. <laughs> well, you're right. Absolutely. So what we're asking you to do is go to iTunes, submit a review of the show. Five-star reviews are fantastic, but we're not guaranteeing that. I yeah. mean, we're not, uh, you know, we're not asking for that specifically. No, just go and submit a review, whatever review you want, and that that's all fair. Just go and, you know, voice your opinion. Voice your opinion. Just do it on the iTunes review section. That's right. Um, hopefully you love us enough that you will go and submit a favorable review. So what are we giving away? Well, we've got three things in the prize pack here. The first is the Walking Dead issue number 88 special Toronto Fan Expo exclusive cover. So uh, that's pretty cool. It's I- not just a cover. It's the actual, <laughs> you know, it's the actual issue just with a special cover. There you go. It's the whole issue number 88, which is a couple issues ago. Uh, and it's got the Toronto Fan Expo exclusive cover on it. Exciting. Yep. We've also got a autographed Tony Moore print of Michonne, and I will put pictures of these up on the uh, website if I can find my scanner. <laughs> or, or <laughs> take a the, picture with your phone. There you go. Take a picture with my phone. Um, this is a Tony. This is a print. It's not an original art uh, artwork by Tony Moore, but it is autographed by Mr. Moore himself. So uh, you will get that. It's a. It's a. a uh, the artwork is uh, Michonne showing up with two zombie, armless zombies in uh, in tow in chains. In chains, exactly. It is phenomenal. I love this thing. It was a, a heart-wrenching decision to either keep this or give it away in a contest. And uh, we came to the conclusion that we should give it away in a contest. Yeah, J- Jason made the informed decision that he would rather one of our listeners have it than him. And uh, so, you know, you lucky winner, one of you may be able to receive this that'd be great i'm also going to throw in a copy of stranger which if anyone's been listening for a while is of course dave's comic uh friend of the podcast dave's he um he got a whole bunch printed up and he's been giving them out and selling them and stuff like that so if you want a printed copy of issue number one of stranger um you're going to get one of those too and it's a very cool comic so you should be excited about that as well limited edition first printing that's right it's not going to get any more limited or first than this more first printing than <laughs> that's, this that's right um to make things even more exciting we will be choosing two winners each of you uh will each of whom will receive this prize pack so the print the walking dead number 88 special edition cover and the copy of stranger oh, i want to win can i put a review up you can but you're not gonna win <laughs> i'm not gonna win i'm gonna help choose the winner so i can choose me there is the there is no actual criteria for what you post as we said we are simply going to take all of the reviews that are on itunes and put them in a hat and uh and pick two winners right hopefully we don't pick a winner that gave us one star saying you guys are complete and utter <laughs> garbage do not listen to them yeah hopefully not thank you for the review here's your prize pack <laughs> Good luck. <laughs> Honesty is good, though. Honesty is good, absolutely. So there you go. Uh, go over to iTunes, submit your reviews. The deadline and the um, the winners will be chosen on Season 2 premiere night. That is the 16th of October. Uh, so get them in before then. We'll re- we got one more podcast between now and then. We'll remind you then to do it as well. But uh, go submit your reviews. Groovy. Get the chance to win this great prize pack. All right. Next, Walking Dead actor spotlight with Noah Emmerich. He, of course, is the actor who played uh, Dr. Jenner in the Center for Disease Control. So we've gone through all the actors and done these quick spotlights on them. So as we get closer to season two, we've run out of people to spotlight. (laughs) Frankly, (laughs) that's kind of what it comes down to. Speaking of honesty, not that Noah Emmerich, you know, deserves anything less but he was certainly a um, a guest actor, a guest exactly, a guest star on the show. But like I said, deserves nothing less. So we decided to watch one of his past films, and of course, next week, which is the last podcast before the premiere, we're doing Michael Rooker, and we decided to watch one of his, which I'll remind everyone about in a little while. So Noah Emmerich, we watched Miracle, directed by Gavin O'Connor. Starring Kurt Russell as Herb Brooks, Patricia Clarkson, and of course Noah Emmerich as Craig Patrick. Jason, what's the summary oh, for this you, movie? I switched my thing here. Hold on. <laughs> I was expecting you to read it, and then uh, so I switched away from uh, 
Okay, so we got. I got to give you something to do once in a while. (laughs) Miracle tells the true story of Herb Brooks Russell, playing a player turned coach who led the 1980 U.S. Olympic hockey team to victory over the seemingly invincible Russian squad. 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 Is that your word, or does that come from a? No, no, no. Sports teams are often referred to as squads. Okay, I didn't know that the you know the Russian. Uh, you know, the national Russian <clears throat> hockey team would be referred to as a squad. Well, maybe not in Russian, but in English, they can be a squad. Okay. Um, so Noah Emmerich plays assistant coach Craig Patrick. He, of course, is a real person. This is yep. this movie is based on true events. And real people. And real people. Uh, I, I don't know... When you have a movie like this, there's always a balance of what is really sort of true to life and what's fictionalized a little bit for dramatic effect. Right. I don't really know what the balance is in this in this film. One one thing I really hope for is that the uh, the pants that Kurt Russell wore were true to life because those were some great pants. Oh, he all yes he he had the a lot of plaid pants, plaid on. pants and a suit jacket. It's just something in a white belt. Just that kind of thing just speaks to me. Well, it was 1980, so it was basically still the 70s. Uh, yeah, and you it was know, essentially Herb Tarlick is the way the way I saw him in this movie. <laughs> Herb Tarlick, <laughs> well, yeah, Herb Brooks or Herb Tarlick, same yeah, thing. They kept calling him Herb. I just I just kept drawing parallels. <laughs> Herb Tarlick coached in a hockey team. The movie, I pretty much love this movie. I, I had seen it before. We decided to do this at least twice before. And I um, I kind of put it off a little while in the last two weeks when I was supposed to be watching it. And then Saturday night, a couple nights ago, it was almost midnight. I'm like, ah, I should go to bed. But I'm going to put on the, I'll watch the beginning of it and then I'll finish it tomorrow. Right. I put it on, got sucked in, watched the whole movie and was up till like 2.30 in the morning. No kidding. This is... Uh you know, I was thinking about this watching the movie, and I was trying to think of other sports movies that I had seen and liked. This is, you know, not by a small margin, my, uh, this is my favorite sports movie that I've ever seen. Of all time? Of all time. <clears throat> like, I can, you know, Mystery Alaska was a great movie. I like Mystery also Alaska a quite movie. a bit. I like this movie more. Yeah. This movie just, uh, it, I love this movie. Well, it, partly because it's such a great story, and it's a true story. You know, yeah. it's one of those things where... It, if someone just came up with this and wrote it, it would be a fantastic story. The fact that it really happened in real life yeah. is just phenomenal. And you're right, Mystery Alaska, another really good movie that I enjoyed quite a bit, another right. hockey movie. Um, but it's completely fiction. Yes, absolutely fiction. Um, but so, And if this was fiction, they would have played the Russians in the gold medal round. They wouldn't have played them for the bronze. Uh, yes, exactly. Right. So, you know, they beat the Russians, and they had to go on and win the gold. And now. beat Finland, yeah, and, which you don't even see in the movie at all, other right. than they went and did it. Right. Uh, but you're right. It's because, as it's you said, true the, story. <laughs> the Russians were seemingly invincible. So that's that's sort of the, the miracle on ice, as they called it. Did you notice at the very end of the film, throughout the um, throughout the final game there, and, and I guess all the games in the, in the movie, you have... Um, you have a uh, like a color commentator doing some of the play-by-play. Yep. Intercut with other stuff, of course. Um, but the line at the end where he says they've won, and he says, "Do you believe in miracles?" That was the original um, uh, color commentator saying that, not the one that's in the movie. Yeah. No, I knew that. Did you know that? I did know that ahead of time. I didn't know that going into this uh, going into this viewing. So I thought that was pretty cool. Yeah. Pretty fun. Anyways, um, so Noah Emmerich, Craig Patrick, great character, even though he's a real guy. Um, What's so great about him is he's kind of the, uh, you know, Herb Brooks is the the uh, the overbearing sort of leader of this team. He's head not head coach. He is not the players' friends. No, nope. he's supposed. They're supposed to hate him because you know he's working them so hard and yep. stuff like that. He's not their friend. Craig Patrick plays the guy who is supposed to kind of be their friend. You right. know, get become part of the team, be friendly with the guys, and if anything comes up, up like you know, work it out amongst themselves. From what I know, this is uh, that technique is used in the military for mm-hmm. military training. Even when when they uh, when they tied the Norwegian team at the beginning and they weren't paying attention during the game, then at the end of the game they had them skate the lines. Mm-hmm. And they kept blowing the whistle, saying again, mm-hmm. doing that back and forth to their you know work them until they were beyond exhaustion. Mm-hmm. I actually saw this technique when I was in basic training for the reserves back when I was seventeen. They actually use this technique when you do something wrong, uh, and they they pick. Usually they single out somebody and they work that son of a bitch, that poor bastard, until he's beyond exhausted, right? And they do this. It's a hell of a training technique. Like, it really does make you, uh, 
want to perform better. Well, it solidify it solidifies the relationships in the movie. It makes you hate your coach, yeah. but the the assistant coach who's there, right? He's you know he's going along with it, but he's he's your friend. He's doing it reluctantly. He doesn't yeah. want to do it. And that distinction is uh, also <clears throat> very important. I remember uh, having a head drill instructor. We hated that guy, right? But the the lower ranking guys that uh, they followed along. Like they, there's no way they would disobey orders. But uh, they were a little more caring, making sure you were taken care of, making sure your socks were changed and that you got right. enough water and enough food and that kind of thing. The drill instructor, he, you know, you hated that guy because he was trying to kill you. But the <laughs> uh, the sergeant was, uh, you know, he was trying to keep you alive, at least, for sure. And I think Emmerich did a, it did a great job in that in that role. Like, you, I anyways got the idea, really got the feeling that he kind of was friendly with these players. Um even though it was almost a bit of an act for him because he yeah. was really just, you know, part of the coaching team, right? Right. The coaching group. Um, but he, he did a great job. Uh, well, Patricia Clarkson was really good in the movie, too, even though in the smaller role of uh, Herb Brooks's wife. Right. Yeah, I mean, they showed the, uh, you know, the uh, the disrupt the family life because he's doing this thing for the American, the U.S. hockey team. And, uh, you know, it really kind of buggered up his home life for a little while. <laughs> So I thought that uh, you know portraying that aspect was uh, was important as well. That's a common thing in uh, like sports coaching characters. They seem to always be so dedicated to the team, and it always screws up their home life a little bit. I think that's a common theme in North American uh, culture, and you see that a lot. Where if you're doing something important or you feel is important, you sacrifice your home life. You sacrifice. <laughs> Uh, you know, going home at five o'clock, you stay at work, you get the job done because you're doing it for a, uh, for, you know, king and country, but not king, just country. Just country. <laughs> so I, I think that's a, that's, that's a North American thing in general. It could be, but I mean, especially with sports, I, I find anyway. And lawyers. All uh, lawyer movies, you work 80, 90 hours when you first start. And I you, guess so, yeah. There's always another big case and that kind of thing. You always sacrifice in order to, because you're trying to get somebody to not go to jail, or you're trying to make the bastard go to jail, or whatever. I think it's a, you know, it's more general than the sports, but yeah, in, the, in this movie in particular, they showed that aspect of, uh, you know, sacrificing for the greater good. It this movie was so authentic too. Uh, you know, Kurt Russell's accent and like you said, his pants and, and his hair, everything, his hair, <laughs> everything about it just felt like it was perfectly torn out of the late seventies, early eighties. Uh, you know the the players were all were all great. You know with the the mustaches and the way they looked and spoke and it was it was really good. That scene you were talking about too, where uh, they had to skate the lines and then the the lights went out and so on. Yeah, I've I've always wondered if that's actually happened, if that's based on real life. Yeah, or maybe. Not. Like because that's what's one of those scenes where you almost can't believe it would happen, but on the other hand, you know maybe it did. I've, I've seen stuff like that happen. Well, in the military, but in the I mean, military. you know, a sports team while close isn't the military, so I don't know. Well, I, I think, you know, uh, <clears throat> you know, maybe the military way of, uh, of training is, uh, is something that he was aspiring to because you, you can bet your bottom dollar that the Russian team was using a military method for training their people. Mm -hmm. So, and he wanted to beat the Russians at their own game. So he had to adopt that kind of way of training a team. Mm -hmm. And so, uh, you know, I, I really do think that that was part of the overall plan. Speaking of the Russians, I, I've often wondered too, how, um, sort of how authentic their portrayal was. You know, I, I'm, I'm a big hockey guy. I've, I've, I've seen sort of the Canadian summit series from 72 where, where, uh, Paul Henderson and team Canada beat, beat the Russians, but I've never really paid too much attention to, to their sort of what they're doing. And, and at the end of, of miracle, when, uh, you know, the Americans are, are winning and, um, Herb Brooks says, look at him, he doesn't know what to do because he's never faced this kind of, um, adversity before. Yep. I wonder if that's actually true. Or, or if he, you know, or if they just sort of put that in, in the, into the movie to kind of yeah. build up the U.S. a little bit more. I, I think uh, I you can know? go either way, but I'm kind of leaning towards your way of thinking that they put that in. Because I think that, uh, you know, responding to changing conditions is a military way of dealing with things. They're trained to deal with a changing, yeah. uh, fluid landscape, let's yeah. say. And, and you know as a professional team and a coach 
that's his job. He's got to right. know what to do if they're towards the end of a game and they're down by a goal, you know? But they set that up early. Early on in the movie, they said that they're, one of their uh, biggest weapons is intimidation. Mm-hmm. Like, they haven't lost a game in such a long time, and they outclass everybody on the planet, mm-hmm. for crying out loud. They're not used to looning, losing. And so, you know, going into that, I'm sure there is some of that. I'm not sure it's extremely apparent or... Uh, but I'm sure it was there. It was just like, you know, you, you, they put them off because, you know, you're used to, if you expect to win, you probably will win. It's but true. If you really expect to win, then all of a sudden it's not working. And you've it's, it's worked so often in the past, it, uh, it's, you know, got to be unsettling. Yeah, that's true. I'm sure it is, especially for the players, too. It's typically the players that, um, you know, they're the ones on the ice or on the field or whatever. And if, if they're not used to things going a certain way, Things can change, and they go crazy. Yeah. <laughs> they go crazy. So great, great movie overall. I'll probably watch it again someday because it's just so entertaining, and I love a good hockey movie Oh yeah, myself, uh, more so than any other sport. So there you go. Go check out Miracle. It is a great movie. Noah Emmerich is great. He plays the role perfectly. I don't think it relates really to his character in The Walking Dead at all. Oh, no. But my favorite line there of you go. Noah Emmerich in the, uh, the movie is uh, when at the Christmas party mm-hmm. and they got him a present and he uh, opened up the card and he said to craig that's beautiful guys <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> that, you know what though that's more about the players than him i know but it was just i thought it was and the way he executed that line was just uh, it was brilliant it was much better than i portrayed it uh it was just a really good line it was my favorite line he has in the movie it's very good he did a great job Okay, so our next and final Walking Dead Actor Spotlight, as I said, is on Michael Rooker next time. It's the last podcast before season two premieres. We will be watching one of his early, early films, Henry Portrait of a Serial Killer. Never seen this movie before. Me neither. So that should be uh, very exciting for both of us. And, uh, you know, hopefully it turns out good and we got lots of uh, of good stuff to talk about for next time. Mm Mm-hmm. And that is going to do it for number 54 of The 54, Talking Dead, right? Correct. Number 54. Look at that. I remembered it throughout the whole show That's from when I screwed awesome. it up at the beginning. Yeah. Um, a big thanks to Audible, our sponsor. Again, if you want to go get a free audio book and a free trial, go to audibletrial.com slash talkingdead. Um, and don't forget to enter our new contest. Go over to iTunes and submit iTunes reviews. We'll pick a couple of winners from all the reviews submitted between now and October 16. We got some great uh, prizes for that. Great <clears throat> prizes. And if you have anything else to say or want to comment on anything we've talked about, why don't you give us a call on the Zomb line at one 483 zomb That is 866-483-9662. It's a toll-free call. Give us a ring there. You can find us on Twitter at Talking Dead or Facebook.com slash The Talking Dead. Finally, if you want to send an email, you can do so to TalkingDeadPodcast at gmail.com. Mm-hmm. And there you go. One more episode of this podcast before we're back into season two. Mm-hmm. I'm going to be down at New York City and for Comic Con that weekend. It's going to be great. It's going to be a busy weekend. It's going to, it's going to be a lot you're going, going on. To, you're going to New York. We're going to the show premieres. We're going to try to do a short podcast every night while I'm down there. Yeah, I'm moving that weekend. Yeah, we got a lot going on. Yeah, good times. <laughs> good times. Thanks, everyone, for listening, and uh, we'll see you again on Talking Dead number 55. Bye. <laughs>